hey guys, this is Joe. They all did it. But if you want to know who killed Mr. Body, I did. In the hall. With the revolver. Okay, Chief. Take me away. I'm going to go and sleep with my wife. What's up, guys? It's Eric. And monkey's brains, though popular in Cantonese cuisine, are not often to be found in Washington, D.C. Was it Professor Plum, Mrs. White, Mr. Green, Mrs. Peacock, Miss Scarlet, or Colonel Mustard? I am only a dinner guest. With a knife, a gun, a pipe, a candlestick, or a rope. In the hall, lounge, dining room, kitchen, library, or the study. And to make a long story short, too late. Or did the butler do it? We've got to find out. Clue. It's a comedy with three different endings. Who done it depends on where you see it. Rated PG. Starts Friday, December 13th at a theater near you. You're listening to Worth a Leafy, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Not bad, Eric. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good, all things considered, you know. Yeah, we took a, took a little break. All that yep. over-the-top excitement really, really got us, yeah. like, we had to, like, calm it down for a second. Yep. <laughs> Take it back yep. a notch. <laughs> yep, so we're, we're moving on. We also got, like, I don't know, a foot. And that, I don't know how much snow do you think we got yesterday. I, I think it was 18 inches for my co yeah, told us. Yeah, I was gonna say a foot and a half. So that sounds right. Yeah. Um, which you know that sucked, but what are you gonna do? It's New England, so. Yeah. Meanwhile, my coworker from Lynn got two inches, two or three inches with a little rain. I'm like, oh, that's what's so weird is is if you look at the totals, it'll be like there'll be one town that got two feet and then there's a town that's like right next to it and yeah exactly like lynn got lynn got that and then um like i know near where where my office usually is that city or that town got i think 20 inches and then a couple towns over and i mean a couple towns not that far away it it would they'd get like eight inches so it's like how does that you know <laughs> and then a couple towns over in the next direction would get 20 again so it's just like these weird clusters really, it was yeah so, um, you've been watching anything good on TV or anything else new? Uh, so I've since the last time we've talked about talked, I uh, I've actually got the first dose of the vaccine, which I told you, which has been kind of exciting. That's right. I forgot we haven't talked since then. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I got the first dose, and I'm due for the second dose on the 16th of February. That's awesome, um, man. Good for so, you. Yeah. It's. I'm so jealous. It's it's just it's <clears throat> I get the Pfizer one, so it's it all depends. Like they're all different like time frames between the, between the doses, but. Yeah, like you said, it's just kind of got out of the way. But I heard so the first dose, my, not, my arm was fine. I didn't feel any side effects or anything. My arm was a bit sore the next day, which is good with any shot for the most part. But I heard the next dose, the second dose, is the one that may give me some side effects, whether it's headaches or chills, just uh, fever. So, but yeah. in the end, it'll be worth it. So, yeah, my mom got the Pfizer one, I think, and she. Yeah, she she the first one she was fine. The second one she said she had a little bit of a headache, but not nothing like nothing too serious. So yeah. no, that's awesome. Bree Bree might be getting one because she works at a, at a college, so she's gonna be getting one I think in the next few weeks or the next month or so. Awesome. Yeah, I think I'll be the last person on the world, <laughs> on planet Earth, but whatever. I just want my parents. My mom already got it. I want my dad to get it. I want you know. Yeah. everyone you know so yeah absolutely good. are they are they scheduled for one anytime because they're, they're they're in this they're in this phase right now right i know your mom, mom is, so she has a so she has yeah, a, she's uh, done she's done oh, yeah. she's done she, okay That's yeah right. my dad is the next phase in massachusetts so he's phase two i guess okay so hopefully soon but not
yeah no it's it's like you said it's before it's nice to just have that less one lesson to worry about um right but as for entertainment now i have actually been playing um i've been watching still back off saw and all that but i've also been playing cyberpunk 2077 which i've talked about way in the past when that first came out but it's the game with uh, keanu reeves as one of the oh. lead actors and it came up with a lot of bugs and problems and glitches and crashes but it's slowly being patched to a playable state now so i decided to go back and i beat it and man that at some point can absolutely be a movie i think like really yeah this is maybe like a company who put out the witcher games mm-hmm. who've since made the tv series they kind of inspired the tv series um you've probably heard about on netflix the witcher yeah um so that was based on a game by this company the game's based on a book but the game's what made the, that series popular but yeah the storytelling in cyberpunk is so good and it's something i could definitely see being an actual you know story or a movie someday keanu Re- i know that's a video game but keanu Reeves is funny man because he he his career at the beginning was kind of like i don't i don't mean this it, he was kind of like a funny joke thing and he's put together quite the career and it and sometimes i think people think of him as like like still bill and ted keanu which there's nothing wrong with that to me but he's put together quite a, a pretty good career and he's by all accounts like one of the nicest people in hollywood like he's the one of the most real just decent people so good for him yep if anyone gets if anyone deserves the uh the credits for for sure keanu reeves so i'm happy he has the uh the positive spotlight on him right now yeah yeah you've been watching anything else good or not just better call saw and lots of reruns of uh the office on comedy central after work <laughs> yeah i always watch a lot of the office um brie and i have been on like a crazy true crime documentary streak because it's it's one of the only things that my wife and i can almost always agree on there's some that we still don't agree on but you need to i mentioned this i don't know, i think it was last episode you need to watch the murder on middle beach i have it i had it uploaded i have it as my like two watch i i you finished i saw i did and, and just because it, it's a good it's a, a interesting true crime story obviously sad because it's true crime but the the fact that the kid's a film student is why you need to watch it was i know it's like a four i think you said it's four episodes so like four episode mini series yep, yep. deal does it give an actual ending to a mystery that was at one point unsolved or is it still unsolved? I don't want to, I don't want to answer okay. that. Okay. <laughs> I plead the fear. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, you have to watch it. And then we also watched um, the Netflix four part docuseries on the Night Stalker, which is crazy. Oh, and so then you saw, you watched the long shot too, which I loved. That, okay. I love so, that. That is, and that was so funny because that was like a fluke one that I recommended because it, it was like, you know, so I don't, I don't think this is, this is spoiling anything, but it's very rare that you can watch like a true crime documentary where you get some sort of good feeling at the end. And this is one of those. And basically if you haven't seen it, it's the best, one of the best things about it is this one thing and it's 40 minutes. So it's pretty much like you're watching like a TV show. And the thing that this guy went through and how they proved what they, how they proved his innocence, I'm just going to say it. And the ties to professional sports, the ties to TV, 
It's crazy. It is the craziest. Yep. And Larry David became like an unsung hero in that. <laughs> so good. Yes. And talking about at the end, he talks about like, yeah, I bring it up at parties sometimes. And I say like, oh, I saved this guy and whatever. Yeah, I know that that that's pretty much that's what we've been watching a lot of true crime. And then outside of true crime, a movie that I watched last week for the first time in a long time, uh, pro- definitely a future episode for us is uh, Above the Rim. I was like, I randomly just wanted to watch a basketball. I've seen that. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, we gotta watch that, dude. It's it's it's, it's a classic. Um, <clears throat> well, classic might be a little bit strong, but it's a good. <laughs> it's a solid '90s movie, solid basketball movie. Um, so yeah, that. And then also considering it's kind of I consider it like a weed movie, and I don't smoke weed, but nothing. There's anything wrong with it. But I also rewatched uh, Friday the other day. For the first time in a while. Friday, yes. <laughs> that was so, <laughs> it's so stupid, but it's so funny. I was like sitting up here, Breeze downstairs, <clears throat> like, I don't know what she's doing. And I'm just like cracking up. And she's like, what are you watching? I'm like, Friday. She's like, haven't you seen it before? I'm like, I've seen it 20 times. And it's, there's still some scenes that crack me up. So, yeah. But anyway, so you guys probably heard, uh, from the trailer by now and then from maybe you guess from our quotes at the beginning that today we're going to be watching the 1985 movie clue um it was my pick and then to go with that we're going to be drinking uh i'll show you i'll try to post a picture of it later so brie and i went to rma unofficial sponsor of the podcast because they don't know they're a sponsor and they don't pay us and whatever but we were trying to find a beer that we could tie into this movie and she saw this beer. It's a briefcase porter from Exhibit A Brewing Company. Hold on, let me, let me show Joe. Not that anyone can, oh, you can't even see it because of my weird. But anyway, it's this beer with a, a briefcase on it. And Brie was like, isn't there a briefcase in Clue? And I was like, I think there is, yeah. And I hadn't rewatched really a movie in so long, but we went with that. And now technically there is a briefcase, but it's less of a part than I remembered. It's at the beginning of the film when Mr. Body goes out and he gets like his, his briefcase and he brings it. And that's where all the weapons end up being so it's kind of important but it was less less important than uh than i was hoping but it's a good beer it's a local brewery i think they're in framingham we used one of their beers for another movie i think it was i don't remember which one it was but yeah it's good it's good it's a porter which i don't usually drink a ton of but it's good so um and then yeah this is this is my pick and I like I said I think last week I've been wanting to pick it for a while, and I tried to get Brie to watch it, but she didn't seem too interested because the trailer on Amazon Prime is not good. Um, so I was like, "F it, I'll pick it for the podcast," and Brie doesn't have a choice. So, but what's uh, what's your memory of of that of the film? Um, so I've only seen this movie probably once or twice, and um, the last time I saw it was actually when I worked at movie scene. It was one of my free rentals, and it was my first time seeing it in general, but I rented it while we were at movie scene and not knowing much about it other than knowing I like the, the board game. I right. gave it a shot and remember I ended up really liking it the first time. So I'm yeah. happy. Spoiler alert. I still like it, which is, which yep. is a nice feeling. <laughs> yeah. I also remember playing the game as a kid, obviously. Um, I think most people around our age do or did. Um, and I don't remember what other movie we talked about. I know, my, I have this one aunt who would always give us just like random VHS tapes. And this is one that I got from my aunt. And I think what it was is she would like buy them, watch them herself. And then when she had too many tapes, she'd just give my mom 
some to give to us. And like some of the ones that I think of are like this one trapped in paradise, um, so whatever. But this one is definitely one of the movies that we got from my aunt Karen. And uh, yeah, I remember always liking it as a kid. And we said before we started recording that I, I remembered liking it, but I hadn't watched it in a long time. So I wasn't nervous. I was pretty sure I was still going to like it, but it was, it was, it was good to go back and rewatch it. So do you have any um, numbers on how it was, how it did financially? So Clue came out on December 13th, 1985, had a budget of $15 million, making 14.9 at the box office. While this film was a disappointment, yeah, I know, it's, it was a disappointment in the box office, but it's since gained a falling over the years. To the point where actually we mentioned last episode at the end of it, um, Chunky's, our local theater, actually plays it occasionally before the pandemic where they have the board game set up a table so you can actually put a board game with your friends whatever while watching the movie which is a totally cool experience that i want to take part of when that comes back in the world that's normal. one of the that's one of the big i think we've said this before but something that i miss so i mean i miss going to theaters anyway but it's specifically chunkies because it's like a local theater and they always do these throwback showings of like jaws or the sandlot or back to the future that's one thing that I cannot wait to do again. Let's go, I can't either. Go see that stuff. Uh, I, so, but yeah, sorry. Go keep no, going. No, no, sorry. no. It's, and, and like you said, like even the menu, the food menu there has movie references. One of them being a Chill Factor meal reference, which again, anything who's on Chill Factor side is uh, I'm a fan of. So, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how we haven't done Chill Factor yet, just because. I remember when you first told me that you like Chill Factor, and, and we, I was like, I like Chill Factor. It was like, oh my god. It's one of those things that we slowly hype up. We've mentioned we've like sprinkled little crumbs throughout the throughout our recordings, and eventually between that and speed, and like we're going to like hit upon like these like big episodes. Just I'll be honest though, I'm kind of nervous to rewatch Chill Factor because don't be. I, all right, I all watched right. it. I watched it like six months ago. Still awesome. <laughs> Still holds up. <laughs> okay. All right, well, that's good to know. Uh, uh, do you have any other info? Get your answer. Yeah, so it was written uh, and directed by Jonathan Lynn, who actually directed My Cousin Vinny, which we discussed in episode 10. Uh, Saw that, yeah. Uh, there's been talks going on and off about a remake of Clue, with yep. the latest update happening last year, with Jason Bateman apparently dropping out of it as director. So that remake's kind of in limbo right now, but it's, it talks always kind of reappear and disappear, so we'll see whatever Isn't happens. Isn't Ryan later. Reynolds supposedly involved or did i I, be- I believe he was at one point <laughs> i don't even know like where the stats is this movie anymore of the remake other than bateman dropping out of it yeah i kind of i don't know how i feel about that it's i i'm not a fan of I, it's what it's tough because if it's done right it would be awesome but the casting of this the casting of the 85 version is such a good it's the best argument against redoing it because this cast is so random with like, so you have like Tim Curry and we're going to do it later, but you have like Tim Curry and Michael McKeon and Christopher Lloyd and whatever. But then you also have a lot of people who are like, I don't mean this in a bad way, but they're kind of either lower level celebrities or you have someone like Eileen, uh, Eileen Brennan, who her career long before our life was insane but she was kind of you know in a different stage in her career so if they remade it and they just tried to like jam in all these big names it would it would suck so i hope i hope that i kind of hope they don't do it but if they do do it i hope that they're very they 
pay it like they put a lot of focus on picking the right people and not just picking right. the biggest celebrities they it, can find. That's the thing. Like these actors are all likable on and off screen. I feel like, and I think that's what makes it brings the charm out of it as well. Yeah. So like if they do it, they have to bring it, like you said. You don't just go for big names. Bring people who are actually like like we talked about Keanu Reeves, for example. Not that he would be included, yeah. but like some with like that likable on and off. Yeah. Or even like Ryan Reynolds. And Ryan Reynolds is a weird um example because he's one of the few people in there aren't many people in Hollywood, male or female, that can be really good looking and still be likable. Ryan Reynolds is one of those guys that he yeah. I could see him pulling off a role in this in this one, but if they just try to grab like the 10 most beautiful people or the 10 most, the biggest names, it's not going to work. You have to, you have to kind of well, cherry pick. Well, a film with the rock and all these like Kevin Hart and <laughs> it'll be Jumanji. Right. Be Jumanji, yeah. Right. Exactly. You, you, yeah. Seriously. It's, that's the best example. I, and yeah, but, um, so critically the original clue 1985 version was received, you know, pretty, pretty decent in some ways 7.3 out of 10 on imdb 65 percent on rotten tomato only two stars from roger ebert which that surprised me because i think that the strengths of this movie are like right up ebert's alley like they but we'll, we'll talk about that later but um i was a little disappointed in ebert for for two stars for this i thought he'd be a bigger fan um so as far as what was going on in this world at that time this came out uh, what what did you have for a uh, release date in this? I had a uh, December thirteenth, eighty five. Okay, I think that's what I had too. Um, I saw a couple dates. So if my uh, if my oh no no th- yeah that's what I went with. I went December because I saw a few different ones depending on which country it was in. So um, in as far as film goes, Out of Africa came out, Jewel of the Nile came out, and then The Color Purple, which that's awesome, but not a lot for that December, especially considering it's a December, which is usually a pretty decent month for film. But outside of Hollywood, Bo Jackson won the Heisman, which is pretty, pretty huge. Um, John Gotti takes over the New York City Gambino crime family, which I was like, how do they have an official date for that? How do they, you know, you think that the mob would be more, but what do I know? Not in the mob. And then Howard Cosell retired, legendary sports broadcaster. Howard Howard Cosell retired. So, oh my God, you know we didn't bring up. I'm sorry, I cut you off completely. But you just remind me with the whole please, death please. thing. Last episode, you talked about Larry King. Oh my God, I know. Did you, did you listen to that? Pod? Did you re- listen to that podcast episode? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We mistakenly thought he passed thought he was away. Dead. Yeah, and yes. then he ended up passing away the following like, couple of days. I know. I feel like it's kind of my fault. <laughs> Dude, I I listened to that. I was like, you hearing you read off these names, I'm like. How we not bring this up? That was such, like, a, such I was a like, weird moment. I said, I was like, was he a 2020 death or something like that? I said something like that. Yeah. I thought I thought he had just died. But I think he had, I mean, he has just died now. But I thought he had just died a little bit before that. And I think part of it was, I do feel like he had some sort of health thing like last year. And I think that because he was older and I love Larry King. Being a huge yeah. Conan O'Brien fan, he used to always do wicked funny stuff with conan on the late show um so i love him and then since we're going down the dark death path of hollywood um a person where there's kind of mixed opinions on him uh dustin diamond screech from saved by the bell and you know i i know he's made some mistakes in his life and but i've been listening to um 
the, there's a podcast that Mark Paul Gosler, AKA Zach Morris does. Uh, and it's kind of tied into the new stay by the bell. But anyway, he's doing this podcast um, with uh, a guy whose name I can't think of right now. I'll think of it in a second, but oh, his name is uh, whatever. But uh, it's called Zach to the future. And the whole premise is he says that he didn't watch a lot of Saved by the Bell episodes. Like he, he says, I pretty much never watched the show. I filmed it, never watched it really, maybe one or two episodes. So they go back and rewatch an episode and they'll have like Mario Lopez guest host on one. And then they'll, they've had Tiffany Amber Thiessen and Elizabeth Berkeley. But it bummed me out. So I've been listening to that anyway for the past few months, six months. And it bums me out because they always talk on the podcast about how like um, Dustin Diamond was like a little bit younger than everyone else. So he kind of was left out a lot, you know, not they weren't trying to be jerks, but no. Yeah, he's Dustin's in pre-vocal about that in the past. <laughs> right. So and and again, he's done some some or he had done some stuff that he I'm sure he regrets and he said he's regretted. But being a, a child star at that age and then having a other challenges on top of it and whatever it's just so sad and then he found out he had cancer and then he died i know like that I was three weeks say, yeah that was probably the quickest like <laughs> diagnosis death i've seen a turnaround i've seen with like in, for a celebrity like he found like you said with he had pains and he went to doctors and found he had stage four and yep. then a few weeks later he's yep. really fast and and the, i guess the positive because oh, in case you guys can't tell i'm a huge say by the bell fan by the fact that i listen to a podcast about say by the bell but um I guess the one positive to take from that is I would, if I was, if that was to happen to me, I would rather that than, you know, go through a lot of pain and suffering and whatever for a year or two years to, to eventually succumb to succumb to it. But he, um, yeah, 44 years old, man. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. And I feel like, I feel like I grew up with him because he's, you know, he's not much older than me. And I grew up watching that show, so it's it's weird. But anyway, we got we got a little save a rest in peace, Dustin Diamond and Larry King, you know. And there's been a bunch of Hollywood. It's been but a like rough said, year. Those, yeah. <clears throat> those are just but, the two most fresh, but But that Larry King one though, man. Listening to that episode, I was like, Jesus. <laughs> you know what's funny is when I heard that well it's not funny, but when I heard that he died, I remembered us talking about it, but I was like, Were we recording when I said that? And then yeah. No, that's crazy. Yep. Yep. So anyway, uh, do you have anything for uh, the back of the DVD summer? To get back to the 1985 the back, classic. It's like the clue now. <laughs> clue, and away from Saved by the Bell. Do so you have yes, anything? Yeah, I do. Ahead, so the summary is, based on the popular board game, this comedy begins at a, at a dinner party hosted by Mr. Body, where he admits to blackmailing his visitors. These guests who have been given aliases are Miss Peacock, Miss Scarlet, Mr. Green, Professor Plum, Miss White, Colonel Mustard. When Body turns up murdered, all are suspects, and together they try to figure out who the killer is. Yeah, and rewatching it, I, I didn't really think of this when I was a kid and I watched this this movie. But this, whatever you think, of, whatever you think about this movie, and I, I enjoy it, but it's pretty crazy. And there, there's stuff that you can say like, "Oh, I wonder if they should have done this or should have done that." But the movie that or the plot that they came up with based on a board game is pretty nuts. I mean, I, I like it's are there some things that some people may question, whatever. Yeah. But considering what they're working with, it's pretty good. Oh, definitely. I mentioned this, too, because I just only talk about the screenwriters and the directors at the beginning. But 
John Landis also actually helped come up with the story. He didn't do the screenplay, but actually came up with the story. Yep. He's did, you know, he's done a lot of classics in the past eighties, seventies. So they're really like really talented little team there to uh put this together. John Landis, uh Blues Brothers, as far yeah. as writing, American Werewolf in London, Twilight Zone, and then he directed um Animal House, Three Amigos, Coming to America, which I just watched the other day. Did I mention that or no. Oh my god. Okay. Or to, to get sidetracked again. <laughs> if you haven't watched Coming to America in a long time, go back and rewatch that movie because it is, there's someone that Joe and I know outside of like, I'll tell Joe after, but it reminds me of the owner of our local coffee shop <clears throat> because it's like the best things about immigrants in that movie. Like there's, I know there's some funny over the top stuff, but I, I told Brie, I was like, we have to go back and watch that movie because it makes me laugh. But it's also, there's so many like heartwarming things that point out the best thing about immigrants and the, the, the things that they appreciate that you and I don't appreciate, Americans don't appreciate. So, but yeah. So, and he was involved in that. I actually do one before the sequel comes out. So yeah, I think it's on, I think it's on prime right now. I think this is where I watched it, yeah. but yeah, we might as well get into what people were doing since we were already talking about it. So, um, Jonathan Lynn, so screenwriter, director. So he had Clue in 85, My Cousin Vinny, like you said, in 92. He also did Distinguished Gentleman with uh, Eddie Murphy in 92, and then Whole Nine Yards in 2000. So he, he had some other things, but um, I think Jonathan Land, John Landis, who co wrote it, is obviously the more, the bigger name. But did I miss anything for Jonathan Lynn? I mean, I'm sure I did, but. No, like you said, you pretty much got the you got the big ones down throughout his. I think his last film was one two thousand and ten, if I remember looking at it correctly. Was that, that his sounds, last film? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been. Yep. He's uh he has like you said, he has a couple of classics under his belt for sure. He does. He does. And then uh for the cast, so obviously if you've seen the movie or you're familiar, Joe listed off the characters. There's quite a few. So I didn't I didn't pick out every single one. I wanted to pick out. Uh, I'll, I'll do a, a couple of the lower, lower or less important ones to me. And then we'll get into the two stars of the show, in my opinion. So big name, but not the best, uh, not the best in this film. And I don't mean that as a knock on him. It just, he was kind of outshined, but Christopher Lloyd plays uh, professor plum. So on TV before this on TV, he was in taxi from 78 to 83 and then in film, he had one flew over the cuckoo's nest in '75, Star Trek three in '84, obviously Back to the Future in '85, my favorite movie of all time, or tied for first. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit in '88? Uh, he was Uncle Fester in the Adams Family in '91, and then later in the '90s, he had Angels in the Outfield, Camp Nowhere, Page Master, whatever. So <clears throat> maybe maybe one of the better careers, at least for our our, our lifetime, out of the cast members. But in this film, he kind of takes a backseat to a couple other people. Um, another one, um, Madeline Kahn, who played Miss White, or Mrs. White. She had lots of work with Mel Brooks, which is always, you know, always a good thing. So um, What's Up Doc in 72, Young Frankenstein in 74, High Anxiety in 77, History of the World Part 1 in 81, Blazing Saddles in 74, um, also Paper Moon in 73, and then other roles in TV and film. She had a uh, just just a, a pretty impressive career she actually passed away in 99 which i did not know i was i it, i and i also didn't know she was from boston 
I know, I didn't know that either. Yeah, but so that was impressive. And then, but the two the two stars of this this film to me, the first one is Wadsworth, played by Tim Curry. Um, a lot of stage work and voice work, but as far as live action film, he had some some of his bigger roles are Rocky Horror Picture Show in '75, Times Square in 1980, Annie in '82. Legend in 85, and then this in 85. He had other ones, but those are some of his big ones. And then, like I said, lots of uh, stage work and, and voiceover work. And I thought he was just, he's great in this, in this movie. But he's probably, would you say that he's kind of like the main character if you had to pick a main character in this? Wadsworth, yes, absolutely. Right, everything kind of centers around him. But the one character who I think might like outshine him and, and, and steal the show is Mr. Green, played by Michael McKeon. Um, he is, he's had another another great career. Laverne and Shirley from 76 to 83. Yeah, This is Spinal Tap, as far as film goes. Yeah, This is Spinal Tap in 84. Clue in 85. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles in 87. Mystery Alaska, another movie we've, we've talked about in 99. He did Best in Show in 2000, which Bree and I actually just watched a few weeks ago. Mighty Wind in 2003. And then another note about his career that I... I noticed and I thought it was weird. So he was an SNL cast member from 94 to 95. And it's so weird for someone to have all the success uh, in other things on TV and with Laverne and Shirley and then other films and then kind of, I don't want to say go back, but move over to SNL. Usually it's the other way around. So, and I thought he was just, he was, I remembered Tim Curry being awesome. I didn't recall Mr. Green being that entertaining. So um, do you have anything down for random facts, stuff that you, you know? Just a couple of things. One I knew going into this film, which was um, three endings were shot, which we all know, and a different one was shown at each theater. Which, uh, so all three are included on the video. The DVD, however, aside from all three endings, also offers the option to play the movie with a randomly selected one. And in some cities, when this was uh, coming out in theaters, the newspaper would actually print as indicating which version, ending A, B, or C, uh, where it was being shown. So you got we can kind of pick out and see them all. But again, really cool how they actually use these endings. They were like, we're like deleted scenes, whatever. It is really cool, but I also think it's part of why the movie didn't do as well financially, and that it has more of a more of a cult following after the fact because it's it's a cool idea but i think it kind of that and the idea of just a board game movie is kind of like yeah <laughs> what the yeah. hell what the hell they think true <laughs> yeah true but sorry go ahead and then the other one was which as someone who loves tim curry tim curry has cited this as one of his favorite movies of his own which honestly good choice because he is awesome this film and i always i like hearing um it bums me out when <laughs> Both sides. It bums me out when there's a movie that I like, and then I find out that one of the characters in it, it didn't enjoy being a part of it. Well, yeah, so Sly, Sly last week, uh, yeah. last episode with that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, I like, I really like Over the Top. It's entertaining, but I, I, it's like a, it's a different, it's a funny because it's an arm wrestling movie. Movie, like, if I ever found out that Christopher Lloyd didn't enjoy being part of back to the future dude it would ruin me like it yeah it's because back to the future is such a you know stuff like that so i i love that like you said i love that tim curry loved or yeah. this he's proud of this one the other one wasn't um when we did um 
Steve Martin. Uh, Bowfinger? Didn't Steve Martin say, am I making that up, or didn't he really enjoy being part of that, or did I make that up? I think, I, I don't know, I can't remember now. I know a movie we did recently, um, I'm, gonna go, I'm kind of I'm curious now. We did mention this even before Over the Top. It might have been, um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, it's, I lo- I just like when people really enjoy being a part of a movie, especially when it's not the biggest one they've done. Like, you know, if if Tom Hanks is like, oh, I really enjoyed being a part of like Saving Private Ryan or like Forrest Gump, I'd be like, well, yeah. But if Tom Hanks was to say that he had the most fun making big, I'd be like, that's awesome, you know? But so do you have any other fun facts? Sorry. No. Okay. Uh, so I, I just have a few. The first one I, I wasn't going to include, but it's like one of my favorite scenes of, or one of my favorite stupid little scenes in the movie, but Madeline Kahn, where she does the short um, scene where she's like, she's talking about how she hates a vet, the, the, um, what do you call it? Maid. The maid. I was going to say, what is the title for that? Um, and she does the thing where she's like flames on, on the side of my face. She's trying to explain how, how much she hates a vet. That was, uh, was ad libbed by by Madeline Kahn. So oh, awesome. that cool, cuz that's one of my favorite stupid little uh scenes and it's also one that I've referenced to people and it's if someone doesn't get it they're like looking at you like why is he doing that voice and why is he talking about that but um some other funny stupid little ones professor plum indicates at dinner that he works for the world health world health organization which is part of the united nations organization so he says i work for the united nations organization and then they someone says something he says no i work for a group that's under it the world health organization so if you spell that out it's you know who u-n-o-w-h-o which i thought that was just a stupid little like cool cool thing to to weave in there um and as far as some casting stuff carrie fisher was originally cast as miss scarlet um but then she ended up in rehab for drug addiction uh four days before the filming started yeah. So, and then some other people that were some other casting what ifs. Jennifer Jason Lee, Demi Moore, and Madonna were considered for the role of uh, the French maid Yvette. Um, but Colleen Camp, who ended up getting the role, she went to the audition in a French maid costume. Um, and he, he uh, Jonathan Lynn kind of admitted later on that he was impressed with her comedy and everything, but it was kind of how she looked in the costume that definitely helped her out and, and, and probably got on the role that combined with her acting. So and above and had, beyond. Yes, exactly. You know, it's commitment. And then I wanted to ask what you thought of this, because I know you're a big fan. I'm a big fan of this guy too. But so John Cleese was considered for the role of Wadsworth. Now we both like John Cleese. If you could switch Tim Curry out for John Cleese, would you do it? I feel like they can both. They'd both bring the same humor to the table, especially like the how Mike, how John Cleese can get kind of loud when he's like enthusiastic about something. But man, seeing Tim Curry in this, I feel like either way, I think they're both good. They would have both put the same part, pretty much the same exact character. But I think Tim Curry just does a great job with it. Yeah, I agree. I I, I can't unsee Tim Curry as Wadsworth. So you're probably right that if if Cleese did it, it, it would he would have nailed it. But Tim Curry is just so perfect for this movie that Wadsworth, Tim Curry will always be a Wadsworth to me, no matter what. So um, what about driving down for, for clue for things that wouldn't fly in today, today's environment, things that wouldn't fly in the PC world. 
just uh just one thing so in a couple of scenes they make jokes being kind of portrayed as a negative um the first one being when the character reveals he's a homosexual and then christopher lloyd's character kind of like is a little awkward about that he gets up because he's the one be near him whatever yeah so and there's another one another, there's another joke too later on the film i can't remember where it was now but that might not fly as well obviously in 2021 but other than that though it wasn't it was pretty i think it was a very tame pg rating with the exception of a couple jokes yeah. in that yeah and and i and i think that i totally agree with you but i think that it was so i mean it's easy for me to say but it was as uh homophobic or gay jokes go it was pretty innocent and it was more just like there's a lot of the whole movie is based on kind of just awkward tension. And I think that that was a lot of it too. Um, so yeah, I agree that I, I think that they would think about how they did that in today's world. I don't know that they wouldn't do it because it was almost the way that when I watch it now, I think of it as I'm laughing more at Christopher Lloyd in that scene than I am um, Mr. Green. You know what I mean? And then when it comes out at the end that he's not even gay, he was just doing it to like, yes, you know, be part of the, the character or whatever. But yeah, it's, but I agree with you. There's that. Um, you none of these. The, oh, I'm sorry. We're gonna say. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was also gonna say too. I, I threw in here as well. Again, this is a very nitpick thing for this, but the over sexualization of the maid, yeah, Yvette. That was kind of, I, I think, would have been toned down quite a bit in a PG movie in 2021. <laughs> for pg yes for yes. sure no 100 especially when mr body like puts his hand up her skirt yes yeah, the, like they're the all staring at it. it's like the focus it's like the focus point from when they see Yvette for the first time yeah so there's two separate things with that there's do i think that there's any problem with that character in 2021 no do i think it would have got a pg rating no no way <laughs> so that's really yeah that's a separate i agree with you though yeah I, and, and i think it's important when you're watching the movie to remember that this is based on a board game so they're all like exaggerated you know characters so but yeah i agree with you um what did you have down for favorite scene so favorite scene with the exception of the first act this film feels like a giant second and third combined and tim curry who plays wordsworth as we talked about Explain how everything went down. The final scene is so good. Bouncing from room to room with enthusiasm. But I really do love how, like in the board game, you actually get different endings. Three to be exact. It was such a good move to keep it in line with the board game it's inspired from. Um, by the way, I'm going to ask you when, you when it's your time as well. But my favorite ending is probably the first one because the comedy sprinkled in the, uh, throughout the um, throughout the ending with the gun having, having actual bullet into it that he wasn't aware of and then shooting the light yes. where it kind of crushes down next to the character but the ending was awesome and like you've already made a point of the cast is incredible led by the amazing tim curry and some of the comedic timing was spot on from all the characters especially with michael mckean who plays mr green who gets the final bit of dialogue in the film and it is just hilarious which was my opening quote but the way this movie ends with him saying <laughs> that giant rant and then him ending with oh my god let's do with my wife now it's just like the most obscure ridiculous thing i yeah i hate to piggyback on everything you just said but my favorite scene was also wadsworth running around the house explaining his theory and before it splits into the three possibilities just that just him running around the house from room to room the physical comedy with mckeon and the other characters the one-liners it's great and just the energy 
you know, it's, it's Tim Curry just, he's, he's great in that scene. So that was my favorite scene. I agree with you on the, your, your favorite of the three, um, three possible endings. I guess if I had to throw in another one, just so it doesn't seem like I'm totally copying you. I also love the introduction of the characters where they all, where they all sit down. And like I said, um, Christopher Lloyd's character, Professor Plum says that he works for the United Nations Organization, World Health Organization, you know who. And um, you find out that uh, Miss Scarlet is a, she, she's pretty much like a, I don't know, what's the, uh, is it a madam or whatever? If she, she runs basically like a prostitution. I believe, yes. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm then, probably the wrong person to ask, but I think that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I just, I just, I love all the, the introductions to the characters. And then, and then also Tim Curry and, and like the, the Tim Curry thing where he's like, I'm a butler. And then he's like, what does a butler do? And he's like, I bottle. And just like <laughs> yes, all this stupid little, this movie's so quick. And I'm going to talk about that when you give my, when I give my score, but um, yeah, it was just, it was really, it was really nice. And it's, it's a style that you don't get anymore. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very British to me. It, feel, it feels a lot like a lot of British movies british comedies i love the whodunit like genre like we don't get a films in this like we got knives out recently which is really good i don't know if you've seen knives out but it's a really great whodunit but like you said these films are kind of like hard to come by now i haven't seen whodunit uh, i mean i haven't seen knives out and I, I noticed other people making that connection when i was reading about clue and my cousin was actually involved in the making of knives out um, told me that which is awesome yeah. and so i i really do have to i have to go see that especially after seeing this maybe maybe that'll be something brian and i watch this weekend so i just want to hear um, thoughts on it it's awesome yeah no i'll, I'll definitely check it out it's I about do, time i do like to you, you were talking about i forgot the character's <laughs> name now so the kind of one who plays like the, the one who's not as intelligent and in the and in the, in the in the group you don't think who, what's, what was his name was that colonel uh, mustard colonel mustard the guy that so there's Colonel Mustard, Christopher Lloyd. I think Colonel Mustard was the one who has the chandelier almost hit him twice, right? Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So he was awesome as well. Like there was a scene where he, this, uh, when they find the cook with a knife in her back, and he's like, "Wait, wait, don't touch, don't touch a knife, you know, for evidence, whatever." Then he goes ahead and touches the knife. He, gra- he like he only pulls it out yeah. of her as he's saying it. So it's like I do love his character as well. Which... Yeah, it's they're all like we said, they're all perfectly cast and and. I say this as a credit to Christopher Lloyd because he's the best example that I can think of or Eileen Brennan, who's had a crazy career up until this point. It's kind of like they all were willing to play their part and no one was trying to take, to do too much where they, they, they took over too much or took, took on too much attention. It's like, they're all just kind of part of the machine and doing that. And, and, it ended up perfect. If if you had any one of those, this goes back to what we were saying. If you tried to cast like, because this is eighty five, so I don't know who who you want to pick for a a huge celebrity in eighty five. But if you tried to just jam in some a list celebrity who was like, I need more lines, I need more screen time, it would have ruined everything. It's they all just played their part, and yeah. it was it was perfect. So um, soundtracks usually your your area. So what do you think of the soundtrack? I mean, the scores queued up. It, it wasn't really there wasn't really much of a song, which is like a rare thing. This one could get away with it with no soundtrack entirely. But there was a, there was a couple of tracks and the score. The score kind of t- amped up the suspense in some scenes, which is what you want in Clue. But as for if it was needed or not, we probably could have got away without a score in this film because it was just so dialogue heavy for the most part. Yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty good. It was like I mean, not not 
great. It, it did what it had to do. It, right. It this movie's dialogue. Exactly. It's yeah. if, if they took it away, it wouldn't have made an impact at all. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, if you could change one thing, what would you change? So this was kind of a, this is, hopefully this makes sense as I'm explaining this here. So I love the idea of multiple endings, but some of them did seem a little forced. Um, when characters are, are performing a lot of actions off screen, you don't be able to piece together that um, that's working, but it didn't always feel that way for us with some of the outcomes. For example, in the first ending, the maid, Yvette, uh, being involved made sense. Being involved with the murders, uh, I meant, which made sense. But then when the gears were changed uh, to reveal Scarlet was actually behind the whole thing, that scenario, and killing the maid, from that point on, it becomes a little less believable, I think. So I kind of wish they made it so you actually could kind of piece together if she was involved, because she really is in a lot of scenes with them. And you see like one example is of her shining off the lights real fast. We didn't get to see that and see her make that action. So like, I kind of wish without being super obvious, we found other ways to kind of plant seeds around her characters and other characters later on the ending. So kind of show that they actually could have been one of the killers. Um, but like I said, with that said, that ending is also my favorite ending in the movie. So it's, right. it's kind of like a it's kind of like a weird nitpick how um, I wish they had a little more. They showed a little bit more um, with these characters. Right. Um, but I also do get that it's based on a board game where lots of arguing between players pleading their case. So in that in that case, I I, I, can't, I get where they're going with it. But so my, a little nitpick, if that made sense. As I'm yeah, reading no. that. Yeah. No. My, no. My, mine's kind of similar. So. And I have to preface it by saying exactly what you said. I get that this is based on a board game, so they're kind of trying to stretch some things a little bit and whatever. But so obviously the main cast members, I, I liked. They were great, and and it was awesome. The, uh, also, Yvette, even I like her. I consider Yvette and Wadsworth, even though they weren't one of the people that was invited there. They're they're part of the group, right? Um, the cop also we got i think we got enough of the cop the one who shows up in the rain and whatever we got enough of him to where i can kind of justify him as as part of the film the people that i could have done either done without or i would have liked to see more of well someone that i could have just done without is the singing girl that comes up to the you know, the, tel- the the telegram girl yeah yeah <laughs> she didn't bother me it just it was I like that this is like a tight group. And so I was kind of like, it just seemed random. Um, and then the cook and the motorist. So the motorist is kind of in between, but the cook, I would have liked either a little bit more of the cook other than just her sharpening her knives before she gets pretty much killed or a little bit less. I, I, but I understand the role she played where they needed someone to get stabbed. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah. I was going to ask you too, in the beginning of the film, I was... And again, I was just moving a long time, so I actually forgot what the outcomes were going to be. Um, in the beginning, you, as Warsworth is laying in all the characters, everyone always smells something on him. And at first, I thought, like, I get that, like, I'm not sure if it was, it was like a crap joke, but like, I thought it was almost like he was sweating because he was involved from the beginning. So I'm not sure. Did that ever like come to fruition, like why that was, like what that smell was? Or just like, was it just like a, I didn't know if comedy. it yeah i didn't know that's a good i never thought of it that way that you, the sweating thing i kind of i'd have to go back and rewatch it again but i always lumped that in with the dogs that he just walked through pat because does he walk past the guard dog 
Oh, you know what? I don't know, but I do remember them having a guard dog in the window. So maybe maybe that's a, a, a reference to, you know, him stepping in crap outside with the dog or something. Yeah, because when he sees a vet and then he leaves the room, a vet like checks her shoes. Like, because they're always checking their shoes. So I'm like, I always assume that that's like a dog shit. Oh, yeah. No, they're probably, uh, you're probably right. But but your theory, that would be cool if that was like a, a if we found out that that wasn't what we were supposed to assume. Um, so, yeah. That's pretty much it. If um, if you listen to the podcast before, this is the point where we're going to give you our score um, on would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? We rate everything on a scale of one to five. Uh, score of one is the low one. So that's, you know, as soon as they start making who stepped in the dog shit jokes at the beginning, you turn it off uh, and you just you return it to the video store because you don't want to pay a late fee on it all the way up to a score of five, which is I'm going to keep it a few extra days to show my friends or to watch all the different endings. Um, I may even just buy it from the video store so I can watch it a million times. That's the highest score. So it's my um, my pick this week. So Joe's going to go first. And Joe, what's your what's your pick? Uh, so I really like this movie. <laughs> and I was, I, again, a toss up between a couple of scores, but I'm just going to give it a four. Somehow a movie adaptation of Clue just works. I don't know how. If you, if you come up to me and, you know, after being a fan of the board game, told me that this movie was going to be good. I would never have believed it, which is probably why it took me so long to see them to begin with. Um, it's a classic whodunit, but still keeping what makes a board game so fun and exciting each time you play it, different endings. Again, the fact that they pulled this off and it, it being, again, might have not been successful when it came out, but being um, a really cool experience watching it in 2021, hard to come by. So yeah. this movie has aged very well. The cast is amazing in it. We have both suspense and comedy sprinkled throughout the entire film. It just, it just really is a, a bit of everything. So it's it's something I will absolutely revisit again. And I kind of want to watch the DVD version of it with the random endings, because I know that was a feature. So, oh, great. You, sorry. You... No, no, it's just, it just kind of like a quick tidbit, because like it's this movie, it's, I had a whole lot written down, but I ended up cutting it out because it's, it's a game. It's a movie based on Clue, and that's a ton of fun. It really is. Like it's a yeah. fun film, especially if you have it with watching with friends, which is I think how I first experienced it. Yeah. So it's kind of fun guessing the entire time. So you said you you went back and forth between a few scores and you settled on four. If it's you just, don't mind me asking, what were you? It was between three point three point five and four. Okay. I wasn't sure I was going to fall in the three range, just because yeah. again the endings are entirely believable when it comes to watching it, which kind of took me out of the experience a little bit. Yeah. Not not in a bad way because I know it's again based on a board game. Right, but I think if they kept, for example, if they kept the ending with Yvette, the maid being the killer throughout the entire thing, I would have been like, okay, I believe it because she was kind of like nosy in the beginning and kind of, yep. you know. So I think in that example, getting Scott involved kind of took me out of it. But it was really, a, it was, a, it's a great film, and it's the fact that Jonathan Lynn did it, wrote and directed himself is impressive. Yeah, um, and then you mentioned the cast too, and I, I think the best, like the best way that I can explain why this cast is so awesome is it's kind of like in professional sports. If you're putting together a championship team, you want to have like a few of those guys who maybe they've had like a hell of a career, but they kind of come to your team and they accept that they're not going to be the, the franchise player this time. Like they're going to have to kind of maybe come off the bench if it's basketball or baseball or, you know, if it's hockey, they're going to be third or fourth liners. And, and and but they're willing to do it because they get the big picture and then that's why this cast was was so good to me so i kind of had a similar <clears throat> similar scoring 
dilemma with you, but I also gave it a 4.5. Um, and I get that this movie isn't going to be, I don't want to say it's not for everyone, but I, the one thing that I, this is a criticism of myself, watching it this time, it, it would be hard to show a kid who's 16 this movie now, because if you watch this movie while you're looking at your phone or walking in out of the room, you're just not going to get it. You, you have to sit down and focus for an hour and a half. And the funny thing is, if you don't pay attention, if you are looking at your phone and you are, you're walking in and out of the room, you're not missing clues as far as who's committing the murder or, or who the, you know, who the real blackmail person is. You're missing the one-liners between like Wadsworth and the other cast members that is, it's just a, a style of humor that almost doesn't exist anymore. Absolutely. Or it's way less common. The way less the, common. No, for sure. The comedy is the best part about this film. Right. So, so if you're if you're not paying attention, you could I could see you watching this movie and being like, it's not that great of a murder mystery, and there was a couple funny lines, but it's because you missed a million lines, like just little ones that no one they don't have. A, there's no laugh track. They don't stop to. It's so quick. It's so quick, and it just keeps going. So, yeah, I gave it a four point five as well. I really enjoyed rewatching it. Um, the beer um, from Exhibit A was good as well. Uh, briefcase Porter. So if you have uh, the ability to check that out, definitely do it. Highly recommend it. Uh, and then follow us on Instagram. We're at the late fee. We'll be back next week uh, with the pick. It's Joe's pick. Suggestions are always welcome, though. You can't cut in front of Joe this week because it's his birthday pick. <laughs> but uh, please, seriously, send us any suggestions. Uh, we'd love to throw them in the, in the loop. Like I said, it's Joe's pick next week. It's his birthday pick, so we're making an exception for Joe, and I'll let him explain the rest of it. <laughs> so, so Eric and I try and keep it 80s, 90s, maybe some 70s, maybe some early, early, early 2000s like we did maybe stuff in, in the past. But for this, I kind of wanted to go a little bit more, more modern. And I gave Eric three options, three movies I very much love. And I knew for a fact two that he, of the three that I love. I was gonna say I knew. Oh, that's right. You like you like about time as well. So I gave Eric an option of three movies, all three I love. I love all three of them. I'm just gonna put, put that out there. Um, two of them being probably my top ten. And top Eric, ten all time. About time is in my no no no, so, no, no. top ten all time. No, yeah, so yeah, so okay, about okay. Uh, the movie about time, which is one of the picks I was gonna pitch Eric here about time. It's probably in my top five. In all honesty. Whoa. I love it. It's one I those, do too. I really like those, it too. It's one of those movies that it's, this is the movie I picked, but since I can talk about it now before, because I'm probably never going to pick it, but since I'm going to talk about it briefly right now, About Time is one of those movies where it is feel good from start to finish, and that's such a rare, rare film where it has a good story. You feel a crazy amount of feelings, but also keeping it happy throughout the entire thing. Super hard to do. So I love About Time. And the other pick I was going to pitch Eric was Speed Racer, which I knew he was not going to be on board with. Yep, I'll quit the podcast. <laughs> I love Speed Racer. I am a, at one point I was obsessed with this movie, but anyways, the movie we end up selling on is Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Yes, another movie in my top ten probably, <clears throat> and I've seen it dozens of times. I could probably give a review right now on the movie with all my favorite scenes, least favorite scenes. With I haven't seen it in a little while, but yep. I'm excited to revisit a film from a. 2008 on this podcast so it'll be kind of fun and yeah, again no, i know we both good. like it so i'm excited 
no, I, re- I really am excited. I do want to stick to the two thousand to the nineties and eighties and whatever, but if we're going to stray from it, I, I do like that movie and it's your birthday. So, you know, who am I to say no, but that's right. I could, I could fix speed racer. So no, thank you. And you know, I'm um, saying this is my birthday picks. <laughs> I will. I was seriously, will. you can get, you can find a guest host for that, but, um, yeah, but thank you guys very much for listening to the Clue episode. We'll be back next week with Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Happy birthday to Joe. Um, yeah, and thank you guys very much for listening. As always, guys, thank you.